from the book of Acts. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of the earth and heaven does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of all this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead when they heard of the resurrection of the dead. Some scoffed. But others said, we'll hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them. But some of them joined him and became believers including Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others among them. The word of the Lord. Deborah Tannen, in her book, You Just Don't Understand, writes about the different ways men and women communicate. A glitch in communication is not due to their intelligence. Half of you think you are more intelligent than the other half. The difference is in how men and women put their worlds together, how they look at the world, how they react to the way the world is. And she tells about a man who is flying his private plane, and he's looking down for a place, anxiously looking for a place to land the plane. And his wife said, Honey, why don't you just call the control tower? And he said, Then they'll think I'm lost. We, we have difficulty understanding because we think differently. And I wonder if that's what's behind the difficulty in thinking about Easter. The world has facts, 
Certain things lead to certain other things in the grip of death. Yet Christians have seen the defeat of death. As a a, a preacher, I get you into this place and I want you to think about God. But that's not easy to do. Because immediately as I begin to talk to you and you begin to think, your thinking has already been shaped by certain convictions about what can be true and what can't be true, what is reasonable and what is foolish. You've watched Dr. Phil. You've read the New York Times. The world works for you. But what if the good news is good because it is news? It's revelation. That is, it's it's something that you couldn't have come up with on your own. But something that has to come to you, be given to you as as a gift. What if my job as your preacher is not just to simply devise clever answers to your questions, but rather to give you an entirely different set of questions to ask? What if my job as someone who interprets the Word of God is not simply to help you think about the world, in interesting ways, but rather to show you a whole new world. It's hard to do that. Just ask Paul. Paul takes the gospel to Athens, the center of culture and higher learning. But can the good news make it in a college town, a place with the highest percentage of PhDs in the whole Mediterranean, Can it make it in this bastion of smartness? In Athens, the pinnacle of classical civilization and rational thought, all Paul sees is a wasteland of idolatry. But the people are nice and they like nothing more than to hear and to debate interesting ideas. So Paul stands up in the middle of the brightest and the best, and he gives his witness. And like any good preacher, he tries to connect with the people, with what they already know. He cites nature. He says, friends in Athens, just look around you. Look at the world that we live in, the beauty. Surely there's some divine thinking. There's some divine hand in fashioning all of this. Surely you can see that. And they say, no, we really don't see what you're talking about. Plants grow, they die, seeds come up. What's the big deal? On to point two. He quotes one of their poets. In him we live and move and have our being. Surely we're talking about God. That poet's talking about the divine. And they applaud politely, but they say, it's just a poet. Who listens to poets? You don't get Facts about the world from poets. Well, on to point three. He says, I I see that there are a bunch of you out here who are searching. I can see from looking around that you've never met a God you can't worship. He tries to speak their language. 
to use analogies that they would appreciate, but it, it's, it's just falling dead. And finally he says, look, it is obvious that you've been searching, but I'm here to tell you that I've found the one for whom you are searching. It is Jesus of Nazareth who was raised from the dead and will judge the world, tear down all these silly altars to unknown gods, and worship him. One of the most powerful sermons in all of Scripture. When he speaks of Jesus, a crucified Jew, raised from the dead, and then judgment, Do they rush to the altar singing, just as I am, and where are the pledge cards? No, I can tell you they don't. They laugh. They mock. And church is over. One of the greatest speeches in all of Scripture ends in mocking. Here in Athens, we see the typical response of a sophisticated, smart, and clever world to that which it is unable to understand. Scorn, mocking, laughter. But don't be too hard on those poor Athenians. After all, Paul has spoken to them of something utterly beyond their comprehension. I'm sure... They like to think of themselves as an open-minded people, open to other points of view and observations, like a lot of smart people, but they're not. Like most of us, they can only think on the basis of what they already know, and they can only think of new ideas on the basis of what the old ideas were. The Greeks know about the passage of the seasons, the beauty of a snowflake, that what lives dies. But what do they know of resurrection or judgment? That is the sort of knowledge that comes as a gift, not the library. We, we Christians see things differently. We, 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 we see differently than the world does. Because it's not experienced the disrupting power of the risen Christ. What we say to the world goes considerably beyond merely common sense and seven steps to a better life. We proclaim Jesus, crucified, risen from the dead, the one who will judge the world. And it's no wonder that the world just scoffs and mocks. The thought that life may be stronger than death, the thought that we shall be held accountable for what we do by a standard beyond our own standards, it's no wonder the world mocks. I've had students tell me and other people tell me that especially when they go off to college, that, 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 that oftentimes Christians are caricatured as being narrow-minded, closed, not good at complex thought. 
But that's a lie. The gospel is literally mind-expanding and mind-blowing. It's an invitation to think of life on a level completely different than is available to the world. To believe as true things that just don't add up. The world's always telling us things like, uh, get real, or uh, facts are facts, or that's just the way it is. I had a man some time ago chase me out. He had a copy of the New York Times, and he started telling me, he said, you're, you're just crazy. Look at this. This is the way it is. It, it begs the prior question of who defines what is real and who defines the facts. Easter changes everything. A few years ago, I was preaching kind of out of state. I was preaching on the Beatitudes, and I said in the sermon, I said, you know, this is, this is serious stuff. Jesus meant what he said, and this is what life looks like in the kingdom of God. After I was done, I was making my way to the car. A middle-aged man caught me, and he said, I, I enjoyed your talk today. I said, uh, sermon, word of God. Not talk. <laughs> and he said, yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and then he said, of course, you have your opinions. I have my opinions. But I, I tell you, I just found what you said wholly unrealistic for people who are living today. You know, uh, maybe Jesus was just exaggerating, trying to get our attention, trying to uh, get us to live better lives, try to be nicer to people. This just wouldn't work in, in the world I live in. I knew I'd never see him again. So as uh, my friend Bill Mills used to say and exhorted us, he said, gird up your loins, I girded up my loins, and I said to the man, listen, Jesus said it, he meant it, now deal with it. <laughs> and he just kind of scampered off. As a preacher, I want so badly to be understood, for you to understand, but it's hard to understand when the it's about Easter and power that we've never even experienced or known. Like Paul, I try to take you as far down that road as I can get you to go. I connect with your experience. I grope for suitable analogies, try to be clever. But like Paul, I get to that point where past experience and present ways of understanding just simply break down. And I have to proclaim that for which there are absolutely no analogies in the world that we live. The judgment of God and the resurrection of Jesus. Reason can take us just so far. And then faith is required. A gift, a grace to enable that which is beyond comprehension. A few that day did get it, you know. Only two, really. 
that we know about, Dionysus, and a woman named Damaris. They understood. They somehow it connected, and they, they came forward to be disciples. Not a majority, not nine out of ten average Americans, mind you, but some. And Scripture says it's always been that way. Faith is not the result of a savvy application of your intelligence to certain problems. It's, it's a gift. It's, it's grace. A number of years ago, I was working with Hank Leak on one of those, what they used to call it, Christmas in April, one of those things. Downtown, we'd fix up houses. There were about 15, 20 youth and adults with us. We scraped and we painted the outside of this woman's house. We replaced some windows. One thing led to another. Hank wouldn't stop. He <laughs> painted the outside of this woman's house. We replaced windows. We had a new kitchen, a new shower. Hank was always getting new stuff, toilet, new outside. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. The woman who lived in the house had always lived there. And at the end, the last... Last day, we gave her some presents, some nicely wrapped presents, and she began to open the presents. There were some bath towels, there was a shower curtain, and some other things, but by, by the time she got to the last present, she was just weeping. And, and well, Hank Leek started weeping. And I thought, it's just towels from Walmart, for goodness sake. And she told the group how grateful she was. And that she never imagined that something this good could happen to somebody like her. There was a teenager near me. I can't remember her name now. But she said to me, Mr. Tom, why are they crying? should be happy. I said, Mr. Hank always cries, number one. And number two, the poor woman lives in a world where the poor aren't blessed, where you always get what you deserve. She just can't believe that something this good could happen to her. And then with the sweetness, naivete, that hadn't yet been warped by the world's facts, she said to me, isn't this what Christians are supposed to do? And I looked at her and I said, I baptized you, didn't I? <laughs> I remember now, your name is Damaris. You are really, really smart. You got it. 